0: real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugal Preneur podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and I'm super excited about my guest today. He is a Wall Street lawyer turned popular and profitable podcast interviewer. He has been called the Larry King of podcasting and has a top podcast with million downloads per month. He has interviewed Kobe Bryant, Mark Cuban, Ludacris, Matthew McConaughey, and more. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Jordan Harbinger.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: I'm really excited to have you on. I don't know if there are NDAs or whatever, if I could talk about specific podcasts you used to be on. But as I understand- We can talk can about it. As long
1: as we don't mention the name, we can talk about it freely. But once we mention the name, they get really sad and they send me lawyers, letters from their lawyer that I that I light on fire in my backyard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like that's happened maybe a time or two. Yeah,
1: aesthetically light them on fire only. <laughs>
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that experience, what it was like to have a popular podcast to get fired, which I don't know how far you want to get into that. And then yeah. kind of how you hit kind of a low point, I guess. And then you started your own show, the Jordan Harbinger show, and that's been really successful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I did another show for 11 years. It had a training business attached to it, you know, the coaching thing. And, and this is sort of before there were a zillion coaches online for every possible thing. And I worked with two friends of mine. There's so many dimensions to this story that I'm not sure sort of where to start, but basically when I was young, I worked really hard, you know, and I got good grades and I assumed, well, some, sometimes I got good grades. And I assumed that a lot of other people who grew up in a similar situation as me would do the same thing. And I certainly assumed that two other guys who wanted to start a business would also do that same thing. Well, as years progressed, I grew a lot in the skills of hosting a show, running a business, and I would be working, burning the midnight oil. And then it started to occur to me that these guys stopped working on Wednesday at 2 p.m. to go drinking, and I was working six or seven days a week how they'd be chasing girls in our 20s and 30s, I'm 42 now, I'd be working and I'd had a girlfriend and I budgeted time with her and worked a lot. And I started to think, is this fair? Is this what I want to build? And when I wanted to leave, they said, don't leave. Everything's going to be great. They didn't make any of the changes they said they would make. It got worse. Our relationship deteriorated. We decided on an amicable split. The day that we were supposed to execute the agreement for the amicable split, they changed their mind. I should say one guy, particularly, the other guy was just sort of his head in the sand, changed his mind and said, I don't want to do any of this. You can leave, but I'm not going to give you anything. And so I commenced a lawsuit because I kind of dumb to do that to an attorney, but this guy was never really a strategic type. But I knew I also had momentum and mentors of mine said, don't wait for this lawsuit to, to stop. Just start your own thing. I've seen it a thousand times in media and in business, just start the Jordan Harbinger show and rebuild because this lawsuit could take years and it did. But in the meantime, I was able to, the original business, remember 11 years, I rebuilt the new business and I thought this is gonna take me five years just to get back to where I am now in terms of revenue, size of the show, it's gonna take five years. It took me eight months to get to the same amount of revenue or I should say profit as the previous business. Eight months. and. It surprised everybody, especially me. And it was really incredible because what it showed me was, not only do I now know what I'm doing, but it was all the reinforcement that I needed. You know, when you leave something like that, and especially when you split with partners, there's a part of you that says, can I do this on my own? Am I misunderstanding that I'm the person that's bringing most of the value to the company? Is that just my ego talking, et cetera? But the numbers bore out that actually it was my team and I, I brought my team with me, especially the podcast team. I brought almost every single staffer from my old company with me, which also I should have paid attention to as quite a vote of confidence. You we were able to do that in such a short time because as it turned out, we were really the ones that were doing all the work and were bringing the value. But you're never quite sure, right? When you're in that moment, especially when it's an unplanned transition, the transition, I guess, was planned. The, the way the transition happened was not. When you're in that moment, you have those doubts. And what got me through that was my network. And I'm going to stop talking now because it's your show and you may have follow-up questions. But this really proved a lot to to me. And I, it's it's lessons that I will never forget.
0: Yeah, and, and that's awesome. And you just mentioned your network. I'd love to hear more about because I know that's kind of yeah. one of the things that you talk about. Like you have a free course, for example, on networking and whatnot. I'd love to hear more about your process there, how that helped you get your new show right in eight months to what took about 11 years on your old one
1: right yeah so look part of it is you know what you're doing with the business podcasting is a more developed medium in 2018 when i restarted than it was in 2006 when i first started and that's part of it right but Additionally, the network that I had, the the amount of connections that I had, you you know, someone can take away your email list. They can take away the equipment that you bought. They can take away your office chair and your social media accounts, but what they can't really take away is the relationships that you have built over time. They can't come and say, you are not allowed to talk to your friends, even People in maximum security prison can write letters to their friends, right? So can't really take that away. And unless you've done something truly horrible that's largely corroborated by society, like if, if you, your reputation is intact, you're going to be fine. But it, it turned out to be an insurance policy that, you, that I just couldn't buy. Money cannot buy reputation and connections. It, it really, it can facilitate those things, sure, but it cannot buy them. And so one of the first things that I did was I got on the phone with literally 150 plus people in the weeks and months after splitting from my previous company. And it was tough because I thought like, oh, every phone call that I'm on, I'm not doing this other million things on my to-do list to rebuild the business. But what it did was it showed just how many people were willing to go to bat for me stand up for me, help me rebuild things. And it was quite incredible to see because I'm not a sports guy, but there's all these sort of like ESPN documentaries that you'll see from time to time when you're in an airport lounge or something. And they show these athletes that are kind of retired and they're broke because they're 50. And they, they always go, you find out so fast who your friends are. And they are not talking about being pleasantly surprised at how many friends you have, right? They're talking about when the money's gone, nobody wants to pick up the phone. And I found the opposite to be true because I guess I had one, gotten lucky, but two, had really, dug the well before I got thirsty, so to speak, which is something I talk about in our six minute networking course, the free course you mentioned. And I was also quickly finding out who my friends were. And the answer was, holy crap. I got a lot more friends than I thought I ever had in my life. People I hadn't talked to for years said things like, I'm going to email my entire list of 250,000 people and tell them about your new show right now to buy that kind of promo probably would have cost me 50 to $100,000, right? Mm-hmm. But I had friends that just said, I'm gonna send this out now. And I thought, wow, I'm just literally calling and telling somebody I'm in trouble and they're offering to give me this thing that they could, if they've charged me for it, they could have bought a house outside of Detroit, but whatever, they could have bought a <laughs> house, you know, come on, or or a new Tesla. Right. I mean, this is really, that's people putting their money where their mouth is. I had friends that I'd hung out with just maybe a few times, but that I'd known online for a while that were entrepreneurs in Canada say things like, I got 150 grand with your name on it, man, zero, 0% APR. Give me it back in two to four years. Let me know what you want. And I, I didn't take the money, but the offer was there and it was very real. I had a lot of people say, you know, if you want to come on my podcast, you can do that. I'll tell everybody about your new show. That's really all I have to offer. I'm not a big fish. I took everybody up on pretty much everything. I didn't borrow the money, but I took everybody up on pretty much everything. And I was able to rebuild quickly. Now, a lot of that was over the 11 years, the people that had been listening to my old show started Googling, where's Jordan Harbinger? And they found the Jordan Harbinger show, which is why whenever people make fun of the name of my show, I'm like, no, 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 that was the most useful SEO ever, (laughs) but the idea that my audience cared enough through the medium of podcasting to come and find me spoke really well for the medium of podcasting but also it just highlighted everything that i mentioned in terms of my real life network and my business network also absolutely 100 percent stretches to di- the digital realm as well because if that didn't also translate people would have just gone oh i guess that guy's gone oh well right and the audience transferred right almost right away and it was really spectacular it was really something
0: curious like uh, one of the things that you're kind of known for on your podcast well yeah one of the things is that you have a lot of big name guests on is that kind of through the power of networking or how do you go about that
1: generally yeah I mean you'd you know people go oh well It's the numbers. And I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of that is going to be a publicist is not going to say, sure, have Mark Cuban on your show, even though you don't have any listeners, right? That's not a good deal. It's not a good deal for Mark Cuban, Mm -hmm. but they will not, they won't have you on just based on the numbers either. So I'd like to think that it really is a mix of the two. And one thing that I want to really be careful with it is, It's not just like, be a good guy and you'll get all these lucky breaks. Like in a way that's true, but the numbers are important in a business. They're important in telling an A-lister that this is going to be worth their time. But definitely more important is the relationship. Like 100% more important is the relationship. And that kind of thing really does go so much further than you would think. You know, somebody like Ludacris, the way that happened was I was talking to a show fan that I'd talked to. I, I talked to a lot of show fans in my email DMs. He said, what can I ever do to help you? You've done so much for me. And I said, Hey, I'm trying to get bigger names on the show. Let me know if you know anyone. And he goes, well, I'm really good friends with Ludacris. And I went, are you serious? This is like the first guy I asked for a connection. You come up with an A-list celebrity, like where do I sign up? And he said, Yeah, yeah. We went on vacation together for his birthday. And he comes to my store to buy cigars and all this stuff. And I thought, what a absolute home run that I just hit with this guy. And he introduced me. And I wasn't even sure. I thought this is one of those, it's so good that I almost feel like you're lying. And so he said, no, no. And he introduced me to somebody. And I'm sure enough, I'm emailing this guy. And I'm like, huh, this is ludicrous. And he's answering his own email. And he's he sent me his phone number. And I shot him a text and he replied. I mean, this is just you don't get that normally what you get is maybe the publicist scrapes your name sees you have a big enough show you dilly dally with them for five years they start to like you slash feel bad because they have wasted a lot of your time and then you get a celebrity interview that's one third as long as you want this was not that this was yo man i'm really busy because i'm in can but when i come back i'm doing fast and furious in our media windows july something you want to do it on tuesday and i was like sure and that's how that happened, and that happens a lot. I emailed Mark Cuban, and I said, I've got a show that's this, and he went, I've heard of you, yeah, let's do it. What do you think, like next week? You'd be surprised at how often that kind of thing happens. Your reputation precedes you, but other people introduce you, that warm introduction is everything. You know, I I emailed Mark Cuban because somebody told me that they had just emailed him and said, go ahead. Same thing with Peter Thiel. You know, I had Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, on the show because he had a book come out his podcast company was making a show. They wanted me to host a bonus episode of that show, and then I said, "Hey, do you know Peter Thiel or in all you know a couple of these other folks, Bill Gates?" And he, yeah, let me see what their publicist says because he, you know he was able to vouch. So yes, it helps if you're Ellen DeGeneres and you've got a massive, you know, you're Stephen Colbert, you've got a massive show and everybody knows it and has heard of it. But what really helps is somebody of that stature going, Hey, you know, this guy's nice and is cool and is not a waste of your time. And they go, Okay. And then the publicist goes, Well, so and so really kind of wants to do this and it doesn't look like it's gonna be bad for business. So yeah, sure, whatever. I'll clear it. And and there you go. And and then it starts to snowball because once you get ludicrous and Mark Cuban and Reed Hoffman, then when you pitch the CEO of Netflix through another warm intro, they go, Well, he's had these people on and they're still in business, so I guess he's not that toxic, right? Like they, or they go, yeah, this is. A, I'm not going to get fit. with publicists. It's like, I, am I going to get fired for recommending this? If the answer is maybe, don't do it. But if they can go, well, these three billionaires were on there, and they're still going back on there periodically. Then I guess this is a safe bet. That's what a lot of these people are looking at at that level.
0: Mm-hmm. You know who I think would be an interesting guest and. I don't know that she does podcast interviews, but uh, Lady Gaga, I think, would be really.
1: She would be great. She would be really interesting. Yeah.
0: I'd like to have her on my show to talk about something that I don't think she's ever really talked much about in any kind of interview, which would be how she started out with three jobs, making ends meet to record her demos and all this Mm. stuff. I feel like that angle would be, first of all, be different than anything she's really talked about. Plus it would be filled with the frugal producer type of thing
1: i i tend to agree my <laughs> i tend to agree i think there's something to be said for different angles you'd be surprised now if it's just a publicist looking at your request they might go eh we're looking for music magazines that are going to do a 15 minute thing about whatever telephone or who new her new single but it that's how far behind i am <laughs> yeah. but if you if you get into the warm introduction zone where it's like, it gets to her or her assistant. And it's like, this woman's really interested in your hustle in terms of like working and do it. Like if you want to get Gwen Stefani on, right? Again, I'm a 90s kid. (laughs) If you want to get Gwen Stefani on and you want to talk about her new thing, her publicist might be like, okay, but you're not the right outlet. But if you say, I'm really interested in you working a day job as a waitress, and then starting your band in those early days, dot, 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 new single, the assistant or the person that knows her well, or her, if you're lucky enough to have a personal connection that knows her, that's the kind of thing where they go, I've, you know, I would love to tell that story. I don't think I've ever told that story. That actually sounds like media that won't suck. Mm-hmm. Where do I sign? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's kind of like getting Mark Zuckerberg to talk about meta, metaverse, NFT, whatever, or Ray Dalio to talk about China hedge fund investor Ray Dalio or Mark Cuban to talk about something new that he's working on or something that he did a long time ago that he never gets asked, he thinks will be valuable. There's so much there. And a lot of times these people do the exact same interview. And I'll I'll tell you, I do, as you know, I'm an interviewer for a living. What I love is when I get off the phone or the zoom or the squadcast.fm as it were with a guest and they say, wow, this totally went in a different direction. I've never really had a chance to talk about this. One, the guest is into it and they really like it. But two, if they're famous, they've already been everywhere. I've already heard Ludacris talk about his workouts and all this other nonsense with Ellen DeGeneres. What he talked about on my show, he's never talked about anywhere. Most of it. And that's what makes it interesting for them, but also what makes it interesting for the audience, even to that person's fans. And so that stuff goes a long, long way. And once you get that kind of reputation, it starts to work for you. You know, when you can get someone like Malcolm Gladwell to say, this was really good. And then when you see them with someone else, you can email them and go, hey, would you introduce me to this person? You know, I'm not going to blow this and embarrass you. And they go, why the hell not? That's huge. That's how you get your foot in the door and work your network because you're a safe introduction. You're a valuable introduction. Those are the keys. Mm
0: hmm. And are you still with podcast one, the podcast network? network. (laughs) Yes,
1: I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So how does that work as opposed to, you know, being an independent podcaster? Oh, well, I mean, I guess you're still independent, but, you know, with a network, what would the pros be or are there any cons to that?
1: Well, they sell my advertising, most of it. So that's great. Pay those bills. But. The downside is they take a big fat cut of it, but Hey, I don't have to have a sales team and marketing. Uh, I, sorry. I run marketing, but I don't have to have a sales team. I would say those are the pros. I mean, I, cons are you always share your revenue with someone else, but unless you want to manage a sales team on your own, doing my own sales would make sense. If I had one show a week, I got like three or four, right? So that would be a full-time job for somebody here actually be a full-time job for at least two people here. Do I want to manage those people? Could I eke out another five to 10%? Probably. Do I really want to do that? Not really. And there's something to be said for quality of life versus optimizing for money. And that's something I think all entrepreneurs have to go through. Cause you remember that phase where, and you probably talked about this on your show, but. Oh, I can do it, so I should do it, right? So you get people who are like editing their own video and their TikToks and their Instagram and they're posting this and they're all managing all the platforms and they're doing the sales and then they're learning how to do their own taxes. That's fine and it has its place, especially if you're in the beginning of your journey. But at some point, when it's taking your final 10 hours of free time every week and you realize you're 45 and you're behind on your dating and kids or your kids are estranged from you or you'd never take a break or you're out of shape is that 10 hours that you're saving really worth it or should you maybe consider trading money for time right buying your time back
0: yeah i think that's definitely a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs starting out especially ones that are bootstrapping it because they and i've struggled with this too where you just do everything yourself, but then at a certain point, how much is your time worth? And you have to start delegating at a certain point and whatnot. So I love that you brought that up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because you think, but if I delegate it, they're going to do it 80% as well if I'm lucky and it's going to cost me money. But then once you start realizing that your time is now worth, let's say $500 an hour as an attorney or something like that. Okay. You should definitely not be managing your calendar and booking lunch reservations and paying bills for your office space, and seeing if you can get cheaper cell phone plans in No, that is a manager's job. That's what that person should do. You're gonna pay that person $80,000 a year and they're gonna make you $200,000 a year. But it's very hard to get your mind around that. Especially when you realize you gotta train them and you gotta manage them and they need dental care. You know what I mean? Like, it's a thing. But it's very tough because I I meet a lot of people who will tell me in one breath that their business isn't where they think it should be. And in the other breath, they'll say, how do you use that headliner app to take your podcast video and put it on TikTok? And I go, I don't know. Why would I know the answer to that? And Why are you doing that? Well, I spent three hours today. I'm like, it's Saturday. You have kids. You're spending three hours farting around on headliner to get your video from YouTube over to TikTok. Like there are people in. The Philippines and in India, or in very right here in the Midwest, that would love to do this for you for 18 bucks a day or an hour or whatever you're willing to pay. If your time is worth nothing, which it is not the case, go for it. But you're not 24, you're 54. Put the phone down. You shouldn't even be looking at this. Someone every week or every other week should go, your TikTok's going like this up and to the right. Your videos look like this. Are you still happy with it? Great. Next item on the agenda. You should be spending no time on this at all, but it's very hard because that costs you money, but, and you have less control. The truth is entrepreneurs are less worried about the money as they are about the control. And I I get it. I've been there. But when you are just finally able to sit down and go, maybe I don't have to manage every gosh darn thing on my own that's when you can start really making money. Because before that, you are, you're in bootstrap mode, but you're also in micromanager mode and you're in control freak mode. And you'll look back, w- once you stop doing it, even if you just force yourself to stop doing it with one task, you'll look back and go, holy crap, what else can I outsource? Y- your time that you work is cut in half. And if, even if you're a workaholic like me, you can just double down on the stuff that's actually making money. And then you wake up one day and go, holy crap. I'm glad I didn't spend another 10 years answering questions on Quora for zero dollars an hour
0: yeah definitely Um, when it comes to monetizing your show is it primarily through sponsorships
1: yes okay Mm -hmm.
0: okay i was actually listening to one of your episodes today and you were doing a mcdonald's sponsored ad and but i love i love how personal you make it because you're talking about your dad and it was like this whole story very entertaining and interesting and that's different a lot different than other ads that i've heard we're, it's like they're just reading a script, basically. But I think that that's... It, it makes people people say, oh, well, if you have an ad in, they're just going to hit fast forward 30 seconds or whatever. But if you have a story and a whole thing with yeah. it, I, I think that's awesome.
1: That was an interesting find. Th- it's an interesting topic to bring up because I... First of all, a lot of people got really mad at me for having a McDonald's ad, which I thought was kind of funny because I'm like, hey, guys, I advertise whiskey and no one complains. But when I advertise fries people lose their absolute minds they lose their freaking minds I actually saw someone tweeting about this and they said something like me and my partner someone said like who does great ad reads for podcasts and someone said oh jordan does and i felt i timed in and said very flattering and someone said I, omg my partner and i were listening to this and we listened to a two-minute ad for mcdonald's where jordan told a story about his dad going through and forgetting the order and we turned to each other and said, we need to learn from this. And I, I, I was laughing because I just told this story and I, I wasn't like doing this clever conscious thing, but it really reminded me that like, when you don't just go, hey, everybody go to McDonald's for $3 off a of McFlurry, which many ads are like that. And they want you to do that. This one, they were like, just do whatever you want. Make it two minutes, we'll pay for two ads, tell a story. So I did, I told a story about how my dad forgot to order at the drive-thru and McDonald's loved it. They loved it. And I was like, this is, something I got to remember because this was not like, go to get a dollar off or I just love me some Mickey D's. It was just a story about McDonald's and that's all they wanted. And that did the job far better than me talking about a coupon or how much I like the taste of a egg McMuffin, whatever. And that kind of thing is that's what, why one reason why I love podcasting, right? You can The medium is so flexible. You'll never see an ad like that on TV that's not totally fake. You'll never hear an ad like that on the radio that's not a bunch of nonsense. Podcasting is really one of the only places you can do that. Now, you can do it on TikTok and YouTube, but then you are really, your whole video is about McDonald's, and it's like, I didn't get in this line of work to shill apple pies, okay? You know, like, I, I want to do my show, but I'll take two minutes and thank our sponsor that's paying my kid's college tuition.
0: Yeah, I think we can all learn something from... The way you do your interviews, the even the way you do your ads and personalizing it. And I know that if you have an author on, you read their whole book before oh, yeah. you interview them and everything. So, And I know you got to run, but I, I, appreciate, do. I appreciate your time today. And people can find you at jordanharbinger.com. That's right. I'll, I'll also have show notes at thesaracenejohn.com forward slash Jordan. And check out his podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show.
1: Yep. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time.
0: Appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on.
1: All right, you got it. Take care.
0: Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.